Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. By popular demand, I have Sarah Marie Doherty with me again today and we are doing the next in our series on millennial versus Gen X mindsets. Our last one was very popular and got some great listenership, so we thought we would share some more, a little bit of the great mother-daughter debate and the generational debate. Today, our topic we're going to touch on is actually nutrition. So when I think about my nutritional habits at Sarah Marie's age, so call it mid-20s, they were very, very different than hers are today. And I think there's some great contrast there, but I'm also very curious as to how she got there, given I wasn't the greatest role model. So I did have a bit of a nutritional awakening around 40, which we'll talk about that as we get into the story a little bit. But this girl far and away surpasses me as it relates to taking care of her body and putting premium fuel in it. And I actually learn from her all of the time. So without further ado, welcome to today's podcast, Sarah Marie. Thank you. I am happy to be back and chatting with you again. Last time was really fun and we did receive a lot of great feedback. So I think this will be something we definitely have to do on a more regular basis. I agree. Absolutely. And this is one of your favorite topics. Yes. I love bagging on people about what they eat. So <laughs> Especially dad and I. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> more specifically, you and dad. I'm like the nagging queen. But at the end of the day, it all comes from love. And it just is about me wanting for you guys to be around as long as humanly possible. Absolutely. Because your health and nutrition is a direct reflect of your longevity and quality of life. So a lot of people think that, yeah, maybe they smoked their entire life or they ate terribly or never exercised and they lived till 100. But what was the quality of those years rather than the quantity? So I'd rather have really great, healthy, high energy years than long, drawn-out, painful, sore years. Oh, absolutely. And you've done a lot, actually, even if you think about your past athletic career, as it relates to abusing your body and your joints and all those types of things, given you spent most of your childhood upside down. 100%. I do think about the fact, though, and we can touch on this more afterwards, I wish I knew more about nutrition when I actually was an athlete, because when I was young and energetic and a high-level athlete... I wasn't eating the way I am now and to the same like quality that I am now. I was a good athlete. Like, so could you imagine how great of an athlete I could have been if I was putting the right fuel in my body? Oh, absolutely. I could have maybe made it to worlds, but I didn't. So that is correct, actually. Soft spot. (laughs) You're very right, though, given both that you and Kieran were high level athletes. We weren't really putting premium fuel in you. When we should have been, because that could have just been that one thing that gave you both just that little bit more edge. Yeah. And I think we'll always wonder for all of us. However, we all know what we know now and we're 
on our journeys together. I remember driving to a cheerleading competition once and for breakfast on the way to a competition where I need to be the most like on my game energized, we stopped and got a bag of beef jerky and a slushie at like eight in the morning. That sounds about right. And thought that that was good fuel for an athlete to perform at her highest capacity. You're right. It was not. That's absolutely insane. I know. Well, also now that I know what I know and I'm more enlightened, I think about how many times we took a busload of cheerleaders to South Carolina or Florida and stopped at McDonald's. I know. And <laughs> said, okay, everybody eat. That was really silly. However, I guess, you know, there's lots of factors in that, convenience and affordability and all those good of things. Of course. But also, what were we thinking? Yeah, I can't imagine how well our teams could have done if right. we had, like, prioritized proper fuel. It's hard to convince anyone of that, though. Everyone's on their, like, own health journey, and I feel so, like, awakened to the world of, like, nutrition and health. And I'm still very much on a journey, and I've tried every fad diet and everything. Literally, I've done it all. I've been a vegan. I've done keto. Like, I've yeah. literally done everything. And I still don't know what's right for me and what's right for my body to give the best amount of fuel. Right. Uh, but I guess I will figure it out along the way. Well, I'm, interestingly, on a similar journey with just a little bit different of an objective, but for me, everything is about energy now. Okay. So I'm 54 years old. I'm tired all the time. And I know that I run ragged and I run too hard and have a very busy life. But I need the fuel to charge that life. And I know 100% when I've eaten the wrong thing, even a day or two later, it affects me. That wow. I know I had a couple of bad eating days and therefore my energy is low mentally and physically, to be honest. So I guess we'll get there, but let's just go back to backstory because I want to give some context because I am fascinated by how you got to such a great place so much earlier than I did in life. By means of an example, when I was your age, so mid-20s we'll call it, here's some dramatic examples, but they're 100% true. When dad and I went to look for houses, our first time home shopping trips with a realtor, I specifically remember grabbing a bag of potato chips and two cans of Coke. It's disgusting. <laughs> now, I cannot imagine how you would have felt in that moment. Like, I think we felt invincible because we were in our mid-20s. And at that time, in your mid-20s, you thought you had forever. And you, I can't even have like a glass of wine and not feel disgusting well, afterwards. I agree. Like, You're also much better to your body than we were. But that was what we did. Like, you know, the big size bag of potato chips and we threw them on the dashboard with two cans of coke and away we went for the day to go look at houses and I look back and think what the heck were we doing literally yeah. at that time too I was also just in about to begin my baby making years and I know your generation and you particularly are focused a lot on your health and nutrition because you plan to make babies in the next three to five years or so well things have changed a lot even when it comes to fertility right. between your generation and my generation. So that is something, that's a whole nother conversation right. for another day, but that is something we have to be consciously aware of because my generation struggles so much with fertility and I'm positive. It's because of all the food and chemicals and things that we've consumed for generation upon generation that now we have to be consciously aware, okay, how is what I'm putting into my body and my activity is going to affect 
my fertility one day if that is a road that you're looking to go down. And for myself, it is. I cannot wait to be a mother and I'm very excited to take that journey. And I'm already thinking about now and have been for many years, okay, what about what I'm doing now is going to affect my ability to create a healthy child right. and carry a healthy child to term because there's so many women out there now that can't do that. Right, which is interesting and I wonder what's behind that because you do hear now there's so many more problems with reproducing. In our day, dad just had to look at me and I was pregnant. Yeah, and that's how I came along. <laughs> and there he you are. He looked at you too long on your wedding night and here I am. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. So back to the examples as well for us, you know, when we had friends that were going to help us move, it was let's get everybody a case of beer, a bucket of chicken and some pizza. And the I mean, guys, that sounds great. Like, I'm not going to, like, stand on a high horse and pretend that I don't eat chicken, pizza, whatever. But like, it's funny because nobody wants that anymore. Even of our friends today who would help us move, I can't offer them things like that. They don't want it. It's just not anything that interests them because they also know that it's not going to feel good for them. Let's be honest, most of them would take with the beer or the alcohol still. <laughs> yeah. But the food content part, they just don't want it. Yeah, we get like Minos when we have like group things. Like we get like chicken and rice right. and or like shawarma. salads. Yeah, very different things than we got back in the day. And then the other big treat for dad and I, which was a regular thing in our early marriage years, were Toonie Tuesday at KFC. So on Tuesdays at KFC, you could get two pieces of chicken and fries for a Toonie. Okay, inflation though, eh? Right. <laughs> However, we ate it regularly. Yeah. And we always added gravy, because why wouldn't you add the gravy or upsize the poutine? <laughs> and now even thinking about eating KFC turns my stomach. Just the grease and how I'm going to feel afterwards yeah. just turns me off completely. But that was the basis essentially for who we were at that time. And then fast forward to when you came along, and I remember serving you as a young child alphagetti out of a can and fruit roll-ups. I mean, yeah, those are staples in a child's diet, which is... They won't be your child. No, for sure. And I, <laughs> again, I don't want to make it sound like I never like eat a bad meal or I have this crazy strict diet by any means. I don't consider myself to be on a diet. No, I just you're not. No. eat food that happens to fuel my body well. Right. And that makes you feel good, which is, I think the biggest learning for me is there's a direct correlation between what I eat and how I feel later. And as I get older and tireder, I feel like I need to make sure that that's premium charged. And I can't, for example, digest Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. And I might order poutine and have four bites and then already feel sluggish. It's so, so funny because you sometimes order those things and then like 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, I really regretted that. Right. Like, then why did you do it? Like, what is it? Where is the foresight? Like, you I, know. I know. So I don't understand. There's some momentary mental lapse that says, ooh, I just want this this one time. And then as soon as I wake up from that momentary lapse, I'm like, oh, God, I feel gross. I don't want this anymore. But maybe, and you can extend on this because we were talking about it this morning, maybe eating junk food is an association with a happy memory that you have in the past, which if you want to expand on that Yeah, I was listening to a podcast recently that was about eating habits and food associations. And the podcaster was talking about how a lot of times the actual food you grab for, you're not looking for the food. You're looking for the feeling you associate with that food. 
So the example he gave is people will be, oh, I really need a hot dog. And it's not that they want the hot dog. They want the memory attached to the hot dog because maybe their father took them to the Blue Jays game and they got hot dogs and the sounds and the smells and the good positive memory with their dad is actually what they're craving versus the hot dog today. Yeah. And I see that so relevantly in our family, particularly because dad wants anything that reminds him of his childhood. Yes, 100%. So he will think about if you make a good Irish stew or cabbage and bacon or fish and white sauce or orangina, Big Turk, any of those things, dad will automatically reach for it because it reminds him of his childhood. So obviously he had a good, happy childhood and he wants to feel those feelings again. I don't know that he necessarily needs or wants the Big Turk per se. He does like his sweets, but per se. (laughs) But he wants the memory attached to it. So I see that particularly. For me, for a very long time, it was McDonald's. Okay. So for me, there's a lot of memories attached to McDonald's. I think one of the first places I ever went with my girlfriends when I was allowed to go anywhere without parents at maybe 13 or something, we walked to the local McDonald's and ate. We felt like big girls and we... Wasn't it your first job as well? Yeah, it was also my first job. So that was like a big positive memory that like I grew up and I got to get McDonald's on my own. And then I worked there for a couple of years. So there's lots of like really positive memories that I had fun working there. So maybe McDonald's kind of like represents independence for you. Maybe. Or that control of your own life because it was the one thing that you were able to do by yourself that first represented the freedom of being able to go out with your friends and then your first job and being able to like control that aspect of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So then it became my comfort food. Okay. So... For sure, McDonald's was a hangover food. Okay. So in my early 20s, when I was sometimes hungover, the next thing you would reach for would be McDonald's the next morning. It also became my stress food. So when I was going through a stressful time or angry or frustrated or sad, it was very comforting. It's that grease and salt feeling. It's a great driving food. So... You know, not so many years ago, as I was driving back and forth between Kingston and Toronto a lot for my work, if I had a good day, I'd get McDonald's on the highway and celebrate. But if I had a bad day, I'd also get McDonald's on the highway and stress eat the fries all the way home. So there's a lot of emotional attachment around McDonald's for me, which this seems like a big McDonald's commercial. However, it's It's not not. (laughs) because I did start to realize within the last couple of years that it actually makes me feel terrible. The five minutes you're eating it feel fantastic but you pay for it for many days thereafter. And interesting, we're going to come to this part of the story, but last year you and I had the opportunity to go to Las Vegas together. And I think it's really funny because I think I'm the only person who's ever come back from Las Vegas and said, oh my goodness, I feel energized and clean and healthy and motivated and fantastic, better than I ever went to Vegas. Because most people come back from Vegas broke hungover, <laughs> drank too much, ate too much, didn't sleep enough, and all the bad things that associated. That was the exact opposite of our trip. It was. And so you're an amazing influence to be around because you remind me to make good choices, sometimes politely, sometimes not so politely. <laughs> but you do remind me to make good choices. And in that, every single morning, we walked to a particular location and got a smoothie bowl. And then we would you know, go for a walk in the evening instead of going drinking or going to the casino like a lot of other people did. I think we got B12 shots while we were there. We got there. B12 shots. I got us a full juice cleanse and brought it back to the hotel. 
I walked two cases of water three blocks down Las Vegas Boulevard so we could have like fresh clean water in our room. Right, because like, we were paying $7 a bottle in the hotel. No. So instead <laughs> I just walked three blocks with these cases. And I remember people literally looking at me like I was an absolute psychopath. Right. Like this tiny girl is walking down Las Vegas Boulevard alone. It was like a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Just carrying two massive cases of water. Right. And I was like out of breath when I got back, but it was well worth it. Uh, and I appreciate it. Thank yes. you. Well, this year, this is a tip we learned last year in Vegas that I've used since then. If you're in the U.S., you can order on Amazon from Whole Foods and they will deliver groceries to your hotel. That's fantastic. So I will be ordering cases of water from Whole Foods directly to our hotel this year instead of lugging healthy food and snacks back to our room. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. That'll be good. I got you covered. So the reason I bring that up is while we were there, we were having an amazing time for lots of reasons, health and business, and just spending the time together was fantastic. But I remember saying and having the conversation about McDonald's being one of my crutches. So I don't have a lot of bad habits. I don't drink... I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I don't eat obsessively, I don't have a lot of things that I could clean up, but I was realizing that it is one of my crutch things that needs to go. And so I made a commitment to you and to myself as of last February, I think it was, that I was never going to eat McDonald's again. And I actually had to like put it in the category for me of just pretend they went bankrupt. It's not even available. It's not even accessible anymore. You can't go to McDonald's. It's just not an option. Yeah. And for me, no particular reason, but I would never even think of going to a Taco Bell. I don't like Mexican cuisine. I would I don't never... know if anyone would describe Taco Bell as Mexican okay. cuisine. It's just cuisine. not my type of food, <laughs> and I would never even consider it. So I thought I have to put it in the category of Taco Bell that it's not even an option and I drew a line in the sand and I said last February I am never going to McDonald's again and I'm really happy to share I have never eaten McDonald's since then yeah there have been many days when I've regretted it so (laughs) if I've been driving home and I'm happy or stressed or whatnot all I can think about is McDonald's fries and I talk to myself and say anything else Sherry anything else anything else. You have no integrity if you can't keep the promises you even keep to yourself. So anything else, which has sometimes become Harvey's. (laughs) But it's not McDonald's. It's not McDonald's. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. And they make a good burger. They do. So that is kind of an interesting line that I drew in the sand with that. And I'm really happy about it. Now I will say I have stepped foot into a McDonald's. And part of the reason is as a real estate agent, you have to use it as an outhouse. Fair. Sometimes. If there's no other option, you're going to go to the McDonald's. Even though you've said no more McDonald's, that is a fair pass card on that one. What's funny is I have a similar story of something that happened when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And I was a competitive power tumbler, as most of you know. But we drove from Barrie to Alliston, which is about a 45-minute drive, like four times a week for me to train. And on the way there, there was a Tim Hortons that we would stop at and get some food for me before I had to train and I often got a donut on my way to tumbling right and I remember my coach said to me if you continue to have donuts on the way to tumbling you're not going to make the provincial team or qualify for nationals or whatever it was and I said to him as a 12 year old girl okay I will never eat a donut again I am 27, right? and it has been 15 years <laughs> since you, I Marty. consumed a donut. <laughs> and, like, now it's just one of those things that, like, I could have a donut if I wanted one, but, like, 
not going to break a 15-year tradition over a tiny sugar dough piece. It's going to make you feel terrible. Yeah, exactly. Like, there is no amount of donut good enough to break a 15-year promise to myself. So now I just need to commit to never having a donut again and putting on my tombstone that like, that'll be my legacy. Right. Like that. Never I, never, ate a donut. I never ate a donut since right. she was 12. Interesting. Very impressive. So interesting that you bring up that era because as we're going through my story, what I wanted to share is as I got to the age of 40, all of those bad eating habits caught up with me. So I was not feeling good about myself. I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am today and realized I'm 40, it doesn't get any better or easier than it is now. It's probably your metabolism starts to slow down and it's more difficult to lose weight. And I wanted to feel healthy and sexy and vibrant and still really good about myself. And I knew I was going in the wrong direction. So what we did, a couple of interesting stories in here is Terry and I decided to join Jenny Craig. And I'm a big fan of Jenny Craig. Is Jenny Craig still a thing? I think so. We could have somebody Google that, but I think it's still a thing. And the thing I loved about Jenny Craig was it literally was like idiot proof. So you just ate what they told you to eat and all you had to really do was microwave it and then you lost weight. Yeah, it was like TV dinners. But like thinking about now, understanding like nutrition and whole foods a little more, it wasn't that there was actual like value or nutritional value in those food items. They just had you in a calorie deficit. And no matter what you do, if you eat less than you are burning in a day, you are going to lose weight. I couldn't even imagine like eating like a frozen dinner for every meal or some of those like weird Jenny Craig spaghettis that they had you eating. I wouldn't consume that now. Like that is just a weird concept to me. But literally all they did was just keep you in a calorie deficit, which is not sustainable long-term and does not teach you any like long-term nutritional lessons. Right. But what do you feel like you learned from the Jenny Craig era? Like did that? Well, what you know, and the reason I brought it up was I went too far. Yeah. So there was also a period of time in my life when I was borderline having an eating disorder. Probably not borderline. I probably had an eating disorder. I'm pretty sure everyone (laughs) in our family has some sort of disordered eating habit or has on either one end of the spectrum or the other because not long after you had those disordered eating habits, did your 15-year-old daughter pick up some of those disordered eating habits because you learn what you see in the house. Well, you saw me not eating and starving myself and getting all the acknowledgement and accolades of, oh my goodness, Sherry, you look so fantastic because you've lost so much weight and all the unhealthy things that get attached to that for little girls. And I know I was a bad role model because essentially I lost a whole bunch of weight on Jenny Craig. And I'm not saying it was just because of Jenny Craig, but what I learned is to not eat. Yeah. Your parents are people too. Right. And they're just, I heard a quote recently that like really stuck with me that was, this is your parents' first time being the age they are as well. Right. So they're just learning to parent. You've never been a parent before. I you have no that. idea. I'm not going to say it was all you by any means, but I would say like gymnastics culture, cheerleading culture during this time period. And I would only say that I was really struggling with like my body image for maybe about two or three months. Like it wasn't a very long period of time. It was when 
Tumblr was a very big thing for girls my age. And there was this thing called Thinspo, which was like being thin inspiration. And people would post photos of their like stick thin anorexic bodies and tag it as like, this is inspiration. And I know I ended up down this internet rabbit hole of idolizing girls who were just skin and bones. And then on top of that, as I've aged, when I was a kid, I know we've talked about this before, but Kieran and I have always been small for our ages. And we're normal sized humans now, but we were always very small and people identified us with, oh, that person's so small or little. And when you're a girl, that's often said with positivity. People are like, oh my God, you're so small and cute. You're so little, whatever. So when I hit puberty and my body started changing and I started to look more like a woman and I wasn't this little girl anymore, I felt like I kind of lost that piece of my identity Hmm. that if I wasn't small, who was I? Like my email was small girl 303. Like I was always tiny and everyone thought about me that way. So when I got a ton of attention because of it. Exactly. And I was a great cheerleader because Mm -hmm. I was little because people would throw me around. Top of the pyramid. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so being small was so intertwined with my identity that when my body started to change, I was like, I have to stay small. Like, this is who I've always been. This is who I will always need to be. Yeah. I do remember specifically there was a short window, but there was a window when we were worried about you not eating because I do remember one time going to a cheerleading practice and I knew you hadn't eaten. And I said, I'm not taking you into practice until I see you eat something. I remember remember this, yeah. And I made you eat a bagel. And I cried the whole time. I do. And that I knew, like, this is a bad place that we're in together. I don't remember how it rebounded or how we recovered. I guess the time just passed and we all kind of got to a better place. But what's with the face? I'm trying to think of how it got better, to be honest. I don't really remember. Like, it just kind of... I'm going to be honest, at the time I was dating someone as well who was very into his health and fitness. And he used to say things to me like, oh, why haven't you gone for a run today? Why haven't you exercised? So there was like so many factors that kind of led to this like low period health and nutrition wise. And I think after I broke up with him, I was like, Okay, like, I should, I'm starving, <laughs> dude. Like, I am so hungry right now. It got better, but, like, I'm not going to lie and say that my body image is perfect and, like, I'm so happy with who I am. And I think there will always be a little voice in the back of your head if you have struggled with some disordered eating that says, like, okay, maybe a little less or, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was absolutely a chubby kid, and there were things that were said to me in my childhood that have stuck with me forever and I will forever hear them. And so I probably won't be chubby again. And chubby's subjective. It's not important. It's just how you feel in your own skin sure. and your own size or whatnot. I know that I still today don't have the most healthy eating habits. I've actually just started visiting a nutritionist who for some reason has told me that you can't live off of caffeine and no food. What? I don't know. That's I think, so weird. I think she's wrong. I think she's wrong too. And I know... <laughs> fully aboard the pre-workout diet. (laughs) I know that you've been telling me that for free for a very long time. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. The way people say that like 
you can't preach your own congregation or whatever right. that saying is that my parents tell me things forever. And then I'm like, that's not true. And someone else tells me it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that must be true. Right. But like, I feel like the opposite happens in our house so much that it'll be like, Oh, I saw this thing and this thing happens. And my dad's like, Nope, it didn't happen. You're a liar. You're crazy. And then a week later he's like, I saw this thing on Bill Maher. And I was like, yeah, I literally have been saying that for two months, dude. Like, so. I agree. So, yes. Yeah, so now I'm paying a nutritionist to tell me the same things that you could tell me for free. But, Crazy. however, she, she is very correct, and I'm becoming very focused on it. I'm curious to know, though, like I've shared, I haven't had the healthiest past or relationship with food. And I'm on a journey, and I feel like I'm in a better place because when I think of something now, I actually think about how it's going to make me feel in a couple of hours versus how it's going to make me feel in this 10 minutes and I'm going to eat it. I'm doing better. But I'd say I'm only about 75% to 80% better. No one's ever going to be perfect all of the time, and I feel like that's an okay place for me. But you're in an amazing place. So how did you get to where you are today with, you know, some different caliber role models being our family dynamic, my relationship with food and dad's relationships with food and whatnot. How do you think you got to such a great place at such a young age for yourself? I think it comes down to, again, kind of this generational conversation where my generation has had access to so much information for our entire lives. So we've been able to learn every side of the coin and hear every perspective when it comes to food, nutrition, diet, whatever. Like if I want to know something about a topic, I can read every research paper ever at the tip of my fingers. And so it's easy to access information about nutrition. And I would say that maybe I just went through the cycle of it a lot faster. So like I've said, I was grew up like eating whatever was fruit roll-ups or whatever was in my lunchbox and then ate too little in high school and then went away to university and probably ate too much and so I've been kind of on every end of the spectrum but I've always generally stayed within the same 20 pound range which is kind of like not that it's like defeating but I'm basically at a point now where I eat mostly whatever I want whatever I want is usually good food, but it's like, I eat whatever I want. I'll make pork chops for breakfast. Like I, I just made a bunch of chicken wings. I'm going to have salmon for dinner. Like I have whatever I want, like at the end of the day, or if I have like a slice of pizza, I'll have one slice of pizza or two slices of pizza, whatever. But it's never like I'm going overboard, but I did the vegan thing for a year and a half. And I've done like stints of keto and like vegetarian. And I've basically tried it all and kind of been like, okay, no matter how hard I try on any spectrum, I kind of end up in the same place. So might as well just eat good food that makes me feel good. And since I think I've tried everything, I've been able to kind of land in that like middle place where it's comfortable. And I'm more drawn towards like high protein, whole foods that make me feel good. Right. Yeah. I agree with you on that part for sure. I also have realized that I've tried a lot of things with you or on my own as well. And for me, we did do vegan for a while and I have done vegetarian and I err on the side of vegetarian anyways, because I'm not a huge red meat eater, even a huge meat eater altogether. But 
if I'm going to put in all the time and energy and effort to be a hardcore vegan, I want to look like J-Lo. Yeah. And Which J-Lo is, I don't know what J-Lo's diet is, but you're not getting those cheeks with lettuce. Oh, right. Like there is no way She's that a healthy girl. body is built by lettuce. And it really depends on what you want your body shape to right. be. Right, absolutely. But my point is, if I put in all that time, energy, and effort, and I lose five pounds, who cares? Yeah, That's a lot of work for five pounds. No one's going to love you 5% more right. because you weigh five pounds less. Right, which is really important, too, to remember, though, people don't love me 10% less because maybe I have 10 more pounds on me. Exactly. Which is, I think, a really healthy place to get to in your head because maybe we love ourselves or we feel better about ourselves when we're up or down, but also as I'm getting older and wiser, appreciating that what the scale says doesn't matter. What matters is how my clothes feel mm -hmm. and how I feel about myself as a whole person, regardless of the scale. And what I'm striving for now is actually health and strength and longevity, yeah. which is where you started out this conversation, because I just want to live a really long time. And if it means that I'm you know, lived to 95, but I carried 40 more pounds with me. Who cares? Exactly. I lived to 95. That's great. So it's just a, a maturity and an evolution. But I think it is fantastic. And I love that in this particular topic and in other things, but in this particular topic, like you're a role model for me. You have learned the information quicker and you've embraced the information quicker and you are a role model. I will sometimes think, well, what would Smad choose? What would Smad say? Because you always live chirping in my head, whether you're with me or not. I'm a yappy bitch. <laughs> you are yappy. <laughs> uh, also, though, I mean, you are an inspiration for so many people in so many other ways. And I think it's really a nice way to wrap it in something that dad thinks about a lot and really sticks with me is his purpose on his health journey is to dance with you at your wedding. Yeah, that's like... Like, that's a heart stopper. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that one hurts. To think, you know, if men in particular, in this case, like, don't take care of themselves, they may miss the opportunity to walk their daughters down the aisle or to dance with their daughters at the wedding. And that's like, not all he wants in life, but it's definitely a big dream and a big motivator for him to stay on his health journey. So yeah. we thank you for that altogether. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice and kind, especially because I have been exploring with like fitness and health for a number of years. And I think at the end of the day, I just want to feel good. Yeah. Like I just want the most amount of energy. And we've talked about this before. And so much of what I do is just driven by existential dread and like fear of life in general. So literally like I'm eating as good as I can so I can live the longest because I just want to live. Like I just yeah. want to be around and be healthy and be happy. And like, it is one of my goals, which is like a obscure goal, but to be a centenarian, like I want to oh, live like into my hundreds. Like I just want to do everything for as long as I possibly can. It's my goal to live to the year 2100. Yeah. Which would make me 105. And I want to see like an entire hundred year period and see how life has changed. But if I don't care, take care of myself now, I'm never going to get that opportunity. Well, that's actually really great because as you know, my mother is 85 now and Sarah Marie and I had the opportunity to have lunch with her recently where she shared with us what her goal is. <laughs> and as odd as this sounds, my mom said that her goal is to be the first of her siblings to live into her 90s. 
So both of her parents lived to like 92 and 93. She's got five brothers and one sister, and some of them have passed away, and they all passed away before 90. So my mom, who is crazy healthy and fit and alert and in amazing shape for 85, said, okay, girls, my goal is that I'm going to be the first of my siblings to live into my 90s like my parents did. So that's what I'm focused on, and that's why she walks all the time, and she does Aquafit and all the great things that she does. She bowls and things. And then on the way home, you and I were talking about it, and I said, well, if grandma's going to live into her 90s and I'm an overachiever, I have to do better than that. So yeah. I have to make like 98 or something. So you're an over overachiever. 100%. So there you go. You get 105. They always say that the next generation has to do better than the generation that came before it. Like you have to be able to do better than your parents. Right. And the fact that the world's very different right now and I am not doing better and my generation is not doing better. We don't own homes. We don't do all of these things that people would deem better than our parents. I will live past you. You will live longer. I will live longer. But also, like, technology is changing. Right. And so there's going to be lots of different things in the future that will be able to hopefully extend our lives. Because even think, like, 100 years ago, people were living into, like, their 30s and thinking, like, that was good. I know. So think about how much longevity has changed just in the last hundred years and how much it's going to change in the next hundred years. Yeah, that's great. I love this conversation. Again, just for the point of the listeners, we didn't have this in advance of recording. We pick a topic and then we pick up microphones because we want people to hear an honest, genuine conversation that we've never really had in this much detail before. So I do hope the listeners appreciate us sharing and appreciate our stories. We are both on a journey as everyone is, as it relates to their health and their fitness and their well-being. And I love that we both have a goal to be centurions. I hope to see you on the air. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Have a great afternoon. I really appreciate, as you know, always chatting with you. Of course. I will be back very soon on the podcast. Right. If anyone has any suggested topics they'd like to hear Sarah Marie and I debate or review from different perspectives, please feel free to comment or reach out to us at any time. 